0: by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. What's an interesting trend in edtech are you've been following?
1: Yeah, sure. I think in edtech, uh, traditionally, a lot of the publishers like McGraw-Hill, HMH, they've been very asset heavy, focused on selling textbooks. But in the past few years they've gone through a digital transformation and done like restructurings to become uh more asset light focusing more on the digital side and then because of that they've got they've done like more recurring revenue and with their textbooks they're doing more features kind of featuring as like a software as a service to like a lot of different schools and because of that a lot of sponsors have been really attracted to this space like in 2021 i think platinum equity acquired mcgraw hill for like 4.5 billion and then veritas capital also acquired hmh for uh, 2.7 billion in 2022 so because of the change in the business model, the recurring revenue, a lot of sponsors getting into this space.
0: Okay. Um, okay. So like this Planum equity, McGraw-Hill deal, you said they pay what? $4.7 billion. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So do you feel like that was a good deal? Yeah. So for the McGraw-Hill, uh, they'll They like the sponsor acquired the company at 4.5 billion at around a 9x EBITDA valuation, and the other deal is around a 7x EBITDA valuation. And I think this is pretty attractive because EdTech is still in its like earlier stages in terms of transformation and thinking about other companies with a similar recurring revenue model, like a lot of the software companies are trading at a 9x top line. And then those deals are only around two to three X top line. So I think definitely a lot of growth opportunity for the sponsor in terms of thinking about like growing the EBITDA and then also like selling it at a higher multiple, like a few years later. You said this
0: deal is about three X top line, nine uh-huh. X EBITDA?
1: Yeah. Okay. So
0: but the other similar deal was done at seven X EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why do you think this deal got two extra terms?
1: Yeah, I think um it also depends on the market condition because this was in 2021 the other one was in 2022 so uh, just valuation as a whole was like higher in 2021 but another reason is that McGraw-Hill is like the market leader in this space um the number one leader so I think because of the strong economic mode it's built in like the publishing industry it deserved like a higher premium
0: okay and McGraw-Hill were they public already when they got taken private
1: uh, I think they were owned by Apollo
0: they were owned by Apollo and then they were sold to Platinum. Mm-hmm. okay um so they paid, and do you know how much Apollo paid for them? Um, I do not recall. Okay. Do you know what kind of returns Apollo got by selling to them? Like what was IRR for
1: Apollo? Yeah, I think for Apollo, like one of the main motivations for selling was that um it held the company already for a few years. Uh, and I think, uh, I'm not sure if the exact IRR, because um not all the details of the deal was disclosed on PitchBook when I looked at it. But I think a key motivation was that Platinum Equity uh, thought about more levers that they can pull in terms of like uh, transforming the company, uh, especially like in the new like digital wave of transformation and the new like restructuring that it went went through. Okay. So I'm like, I just
0: looked this up. It looks like uh, Apollo acquired McGraw-Hills uh, back in, back at the end of 20, 2012 mm-hmm. for $2.5 billion. Okay. $5 billion. Okay. Two point five billion dollars, and so it sold to you said it sold to Platinum One in 2021, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how many years is that? That's like nine years, and then it didn't even double. So I think a pretty low IRR. When you say it didn't double, you're saying because it went from
0: two point five billion to four point five billion, right? Oh yeah but
1: um we i don't know exactly like the structure of the transaction like the debt to equity makes so i guess if they use more debt uh they could have like a higher irr
0: okay so let's make some reasonable assumptions like if the deal back in 2012 mm-hmm. was for 2.5 billion dollars yeah okay back then looks like their quarterly revenue was 836 dollars. million i'm just going off of this article if we analyze that that's about 3.3 3 billion revenue per year so I pay less than one time. They actually paid less than one X, 0.7 X revenue. Okay. So they paid a much lower multiple back then, that's for sure. Um, But what would be a reasonable, let's just make some, we don't need to know all the numbers. Let's just make them up. Let's make some reasonable assumptions. Like what do you think, how much equity do you think they have to put into a $2.5 billion
1: deal? Yeah, I think we could assume 1 billion equity, 1.5 debt.
0: 1 billion equity, 1.5 debt. So that's 40% equity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So they put in 1 billion of equity. And in this current deal where they sold to platinum, like how much equity do you think they got out? So the deal was for 4.5, right? Mm-hmm. How much of that was debt versus equity?
1: Yeah. Are we? Uh, can we assume like a fair bit of debt paid down? So, mm-hmm.
0: Sorry,
1: so you okay. said assume what? Oh, uh, like debt paid down over the years, like partially. So maybe like 500 million was paid down. And then at the end, you still have to pay one more billion of debt. Why do you assume 500 million um i think because like in the debt structure capital structure like some of the debt like typically like uh the bank debt and some of the ones on top like uh term loans they could be paid down over time like but some of the high yield debt by like the private credit firms it's held to maturity so it's a bullet payment at the end so just based on that i'm assuming that part of it is paid down over time
0: yeah but the deal happened at the end of 2012 right
1: mm-hmm.
0: so do you think that i mean by saying 500 million dollar of debt pay down That means on average you're really only paying down around 55 million dollars of
1: debt Uh per year do you feel like that's reasonable do you feel like that's reasonable um i think there would be more debt paid down because the holding period is longer like in this case nine years
0: yeah like even if you do have high yield debt that doesn't mature until the end of the nine years let's say all that would mean is what
1: like just like even um, if i don't
0: even if i don't pay down that debt. I can't Mm -hmm. pay down that debt. What does that mean? What does that mean to my, what does that mean to my cash balance?
1: Your cash balance?
0: I mean, I'm still generating the same amount of free cash flow, regardless. Uh Yeah. uh So if I'm not paying down the debt, then the cash is just accruing to my balance sheet. Right. Uh So then when I sell, I still get more equity out because my net debt is going to be lower. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So I'm just pointing out that, like that argument of, Hey, like there might be some high yield they're like, like personally from me, I don't know. I don't know the stats of this deal. But I think that like if you've been holding it for nine years and you only had, you know, 1.5 billion dollars of leverage on it, like I don't know, right? I don't know what their personally, what I would do, and even even if this wasn't all public information, like I would try to figure out like hey, roughly what was their EBITDA margin mm-hmm. back then, and what is their EBITDA margin now? Okay. And maybe there's probably been EBITDA margin improvement over time. I don't know, right? You can almost like just kind of extrapolate and fill out the blanks in between. Because while it was private, it's probably not releasing financial information, right? Oh. But even just using like a EBITDA minus capex number or something mm-hmm. to calculate like a proxy for free cash flow, right? And then like as long as they're generating more than about fifty-five million dollars a year in free cash flow, then they should have been able to pay off the entire loan balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how I think about it anyway. Like all of this right now is like fake numbers. And I, I like those this exercises, I'm just doing a paper LBO with you. I'm not expecting you to use the actual right numbers, but I want to more see, like, how do you think about it? Right. Like, even if you have to make assumptions, how, what kind of assumptions would you make for this LBO? Right. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So you yeah. just have to be able to explain it. Okay. Okay. But let's, so like for simplicity's sake then, right. Let's just say you put in $1 billion of equity. Mm-hmm. And then let's say like you generated enough free cash flow to pay off all of the debt. Okay. And then you sold it nine years later for uh, 4.5, 4, four and a half. right. So what would you say is the IRR? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So. Or MOI if you
0: can't bad. if you can't do that in your head that's fine. Like you can tell me how would you calculate the IRR? Okay.
1: Sure, yeah so the moic is 4.5x the holding period is nine so we want to look for like a factor that's like all uh, compounded every year And i think uh a nine year if we're looking at nine year around 4.5x we could think that um the IRR is a bit over 15 percent
0: how did you how did you figure out a little over 15 percent
1: oh because usually like when we look about look at the rule like it's five years 2X is around 15%. And then we have nine years, it's 4.5X. So I think a little over 15 would be like a reasonable assumption.
0: Okay. All right. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, like the formula is going to be 4.5 to the one ninth power minus one. All right. But I think like, so I I would tell them the exact formula. Obviously no one expects you to do to the one ninth power in your head, but I would tell them like, this is the formula. Uh, If I had to really ballpark it, this is the way I would think about it. And then you're right. It's a little over 15%. Like the actual numbers comes out to be about 18.2%. So it's like, okay, but not great. Right. Cause like usually you want probably 20% or more. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, couple of dots, I think, um, obviously, you know, how to do your paper LBO. So that's good. I would just, like I said, go back and I mean, the question I asked you is like, even taking it to the next level is like, I don't even know if this financial information is publicly available, but find whatever publicly available information you can find. Uh Uh-huh based on the initial deal and based on the latest deal. Okay. And then just try to like, kind of make some reasonable assumptions to fill in the gaps in between. They might not ask you to do that, but at Uh least go through the exercise yourself beforehand so that if they do ask you to do that, you'd be prepared to talk about it. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply and the street is abbreviated to ST so it's really wallstmastermind.com slash apply and our team looks forward to speaking with you.